Roughly 2.5 billion people watch two young boys walk side by side down a London road. They're crying. Ah. As are the many thousands of people watching from the side of the road. Light bulb, I know what this is. They are following a coffin draped in a cloak bearing the royal standard of the British royal family. Later, Sir Elton John would sing a rendition of Candle in the Wind, a song now synonymous with the event. Later, a small burial ceremony would take place on a tiny island in the middle of an oval-shaped lake. Obviously, this was no ordinary funeral, and it was for no ordinary person. This week, we're covering the life and untimely death of Diana, Princess of Wales. To me, that you lived your life like, like a, a candle, candle in the wind. wind. Never Elton. known. Elton did a better job than us, of course. <laughs> Welcome back, boy. It's Elton John. Welcome. Hey, hello, but oh, I'll get to get comfortable. Oh, we? Ollie. We've got an audience today. Ollie is sitting on the couch with us. Ollie, my cat. <laughs> Not some random person. How um, you doing, boy? Yeah, good boy. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Mm. This, um, this, this is a heavy topic. You're way heavier than I thought. I was like, ooh, let's get some, like, royal family trash. <laughs> nah, it's, um, again, yeah. Again, we're just, we're super topical. You know, we're oh, just- yeah, we're just hitting the, hitting the topics two months late. <laughs> <laughs> we did, did we do that with the Olympics as well? We were a bit- Yeah, we did the Olympics about six months late. <laughs> um, I tried to do the space one and then that thing never happened. Still hasn't happened yet, Still not. It? 14th of November now. Is 14th of November is the uh, launch my, date now. That'll be about my episode, won't it? Uh, yeah, because that's that'll be about two weeks. Yep. Yeah, so well, I uh, can't wait for that to be scrubbed again. It's in the middle of the day when I could watch it, so that'll probably not happen. But yeah, um, this this episode is suggested by Bree, who has actually been listening to most of the episodes of our podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, she's been working backwards, uh, so she's up to the Olympics now. <laughs> the quality is getting worse and worse. It is in getting the worse. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the best thing that she told me was that she listened to the second part of the Titanic one first. Didn't recognise that anything was wrong. I hope you leave that in because that is my hand <laughs> slapping my forehead. Yeah. So, Brie was saying, oh, I'd really like a shout out. So, the shout out is, good job. Good job listening to Titanic out of order. That's like watching Empire Strikes Back and then watching A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, you're missing some key points that explain the world there. That's like- Oh, what other what other classic movie where you watch the second one first and it just makes no sense? Back to the Future. Back to the Future Two. Yeah, because that well that just revisits the first movie. Really yeah, much. and it starts at the end of the sec- of the first one. Anyway, oh, that's, um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was when she told me I was like, "How did you not notice?" And she's like, "I don't know." <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but um, she gave me this suggestion. So did she do that with the space race as well? Because that was kind of a two parter. No, I think she did listen to that one in the correct okay. order. Right, yeah, fair enough. That one, I reckon, it doesn't matter. You could listen to that one. Back. You could. It it's two. It, yeah, they are two different stories. But yeah. Um, well, that's interesting because I believe I just mentioned to you that I have a fairly good idea for my topic next mm. episode, which has been suggested by Kirsty. So okay, it's going to be a fun little partners partner stories. Yeah, November. Back to back. What do we? <laughs> how can we part, morph that into November? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Cheesy also requested a shout out, but I'm not going to tell his jokes because they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that. I don't. Yeah, because he didn't tell the jokes in the chat with you. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. Um, so let's kick off. Before she was Diana. Yeah. 
No, I got nothing. We'll come back. We'll circle back to the pun. Okay. Before she was Diana, Princess of Wales, Diana was born Diana Frances Spencer on the 1st of September. Sorry, where did I get September from? 1st of July, 1961 in Sandringham, Norfolk. Though she wasn't royalty, she wasn't a pov. She was born into the nobility. <laughs> she was. <laughs> she was born into the nobility, and her family had close ties to the royal family going back decades. The house she was born in, Park House, was in fact leased from Queen Elizabeth II. Sorry, I just thought of my pun. Okay. Yep. Continue your sentence. I'll come in okay. at the end. She had three siblings: Sarah, Jane, and Charles, and would grow up with the nickname Dutch. That's it. Okay. Um. All right. Thank you for pausing for my pun. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, tunnel on in to oh. the rest of the story. Oh. <laughs> Considering the close ties between the Spencers and the Windsors, it's no surprise that the families would holiday together in Sandringham, with Diana spending time with Prince Andrew and Prince Edward. How much of the royal family did you learn in doing, this? doing this topic? That's it. Oh, is that it? Yeah, like surprisingly, the royal family themselves aren't like heavily, heavily involved in the story of Diana. Okay, I was just um, just asking because for a long time I didn't even realise they had a last name. <laughs> yeah, Windsor. Yeah, yeah. You just thought it was Queen. Yep, well, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Um. Nah, because like the obviously there's a lot of Prince Charles and King like Charles. He's Prince Charles in here, but okay, whatever. All right, then it's just our um, monarch. Just show yeah. some respect. <sighs> but. <laughs> British viewership. Whoa! Editing that out. <laughs> so, like I said, love the king. Long, the, long live the king. Um, yeah, like the the queen and and that they turn up a bit, but um, good catch, boy. But um, <laughs> geez, you'll still know. Um, yeah. Other than that, the, the family doesn't really show up much. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the holidaying with uh, with the mm-hmm. Windsors. All of that would end, though, in 1967 with her parents' divorce. 67? Mm. Okay. Yeah, you got to remember, like, they got married in the 80s. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. It would be a particularly bitter divorce, with Diana initially living with her mother during the separation. However, her father would eventually win custody of Diana. While both parents would remarry, Diana's relationship with her mother-in-law would be terrible. She would call her father's new wife a bully and would even end up going so far as to push her down the stairs on one occasion. <laughs> Later, her father would inherit the title of Earl, which would, make, which would make her Lady Diana. They would then move from Sandringham to Northamptonshire. Northamptonshire. Northam- uh, Northamptonshire. Uh, no, Not Northamptonshire. Uh, no, Northamptonshire. No, <laughs> I was like, that doesn't say Nor- Northumberland Avenue. <laughs> What's that? That's out of Monopoly, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Mm. Maybe. No, I don't think so at all. I don't know what that is, but I know what you're getting at. Mm. Northamptonshire. Sure. That sounds much mm. better. As she got to school age, Diana was initially homeschooled, but eventually began her formal education at- What a freak. Yeah, I know, right? Sillfield Private School in Norfolk, before Ooh. moving to Riddlesworth Hall School in Thetford Ooh, in 1973. Even these names sound posh. Everything here is like, Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, I say so. Oh, yes, I have two sugars with my tea, oh. please. Send the kids to Riddlesworth. <laughs> She would finish her schooling at West Heath Girls School in Kent. Despite the huge leg up- Old that- Kent? Mm. That's on Monopoly. Old Kent is in Monopoly. Despite the huge leg up that being born into no- nobility would give you, she managed to fail her O-levels twice before leaving school at the age of ni- uh, 16 in 1977. What's an O-level? 
Is it like- O-levels is the equivalent of, it's like your final exams. Okay. So, the QCS when I was at school, the- The hours. The hours if you're in the real world of Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they call it now, actually. But yeah, your final exams. Yeah, okay. Failed them twice. Have so like grade 12 when you're yeah. 16. Yeah. Seems a bit young. Yeah. Okay. I finished school at 16. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because you were born late in the year. Yeah. A weirdo. Yeah. Despite being a bit of a dunce in the academic department, she was recognized for her community spirit with an award. This is something that would continue on with her throughout her life, as down the road she would become well known for her charitable work. After leaving school, she would take a number of seemingly random jobs, something that I'm sure the rich of London are famous for. She would go to McDonald's? Not quite, but she would work as a nanny, spend a term at a finishing school in Switzerland, take advanced cooking classes, though rarely cook for her flatmates, work as a dance instructor until she was injured in a skiing accident, of course. <laughs> yeah. Work as a playground preschool assistant, work as a cleaner, work as a hostess, as a nanny again, and then as a nursery teacher's assistant. These would be the last normal occupations, though, as in 1977, she would meet and draw the attention of Randy Prince Charles. <laughs> Randy? Mm. Okay. Oh, trust me. It gets icky. <laughs> All right, then. Ick warning. Courtship and marriage. So while the Spencers and Windsors had known each other since Diana's birth, Diana hadn't actually met Prince Charles until a weekend away during the summer of 1980, when Diana was 16 and Charles 29. At the time, Charles was dating Diana's older sister Sarah, and Sarah had invited the two for the weekend away, where Charles would take his first look at his future bride, who again was 13 years younger than him. Also, he was dating her sister. Yeah, that's a bit weird. I'm a bit randy. <laughs> he I'm, hello, he lovely. He doesn't sound like that. He doesn't sound like Austin Powers. Do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> hello, lovely. <laughs> I'm dating your sister. Come on, then. Come over and have a cuppa with me. No, yeah. he doesn't sound like that. He doesn't, but um, sure acting like it. They would eventually be engaged on the 24th of oh, February. It's a bit of a jump. She's 16 to they're engaged now. How many years difference is this? Two. They would eventually be engaged on 24th of February, 1981. So, one year. So, she's one 17. One year later. Mm-hmm. Ick. And he's 30. Yep. So, she actually, she's 20 at this point. So That math doesn't check out. That math doesn't check out, does it? No, because I put the wrong year in the when they met. They met in 1977. All right, then. Yeah. Which I actually did say in the paragraph before. <laughs> Two lines later, I messed it up. Uh, yeah, so they met in 1977. Okay. They got engaged in 81. Right, so now she's 20, he's 33. Yes. They're engaged. How'd he pop the question? Uh, I don't actually know. Right, they kept it quiet. They research. kept it silent for two weeks. I know that. Yeah, good, quality, they were like, good quality research. Boy, let's thanks. wait until she's definitely 20. That's so bad. Yeah, I know, right? I know, right? How gross is that? And he's like 33. Is this in the crown? It must be. I think it's actually in the new the new season that just came out. Because there's a whole thing about like, oh, Diana's in it. I'm going to have to fat check with Kirsty. She watched it. Okay. I might actually watch it because like this stuff gets crazy. Apparently it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Diana would say that she could only remember having met her fiance just 13 times prior to the engagement, which to me just doesn't seem like enough to make an informed choice about your future life partner. <laughs> One time for every year difference. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this super weird interview with the two of them. Um, and like they're interviewing them. They're like, oh, you know, 
asking about like, oh, how, like, oh, how, oh, are you in love? And Charles just goes, whatever love means. Like, can't believe it didn't work out. Spoiler. I, I can't believe this didn't work. It's this marriage so didn't work out. weird. And even like, he's balding already in this image. Like, oh, it's so man. weird. She's like 20 and- William oh. was balding when he was mid thirties as well. Yeah. Like, it's- I know, but he's not dating an 18 year old. <laughs> like, uh. Diana would almost immediately move from her flat in London into Buckingham Palace, which by all accounts was a stark and harsh transition, as I'm sure you can imagine. According to Diana in an interview in 1995 with the BBC, she said, anything good I ever did, nobody ever said a thing, never said well done or was it okay. But if I tripped up, which inevitably I did because I was new at the game, a ton of bricks came down on me. Sounds like a workplace. Yeah. (laughs) Because like, it is. Like, yeah. being a royal is actually a job. Like a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously a very good job, but, like, you actually have to kind of be on all the time. It seemed that the royals, and Charles in particular, were desperate to get the potential asset that Diana represented, and they failed to question whether she would be up to the pressure that being a princess would bring. Diana had gone from living with her friends in a flat to living in Buckingham Palace, and from all accounts was incredibly lonely for most of her time aside from exercising and making wedding plans. She would eventually struggle with bulimia, though this was hidden from the public at the time. She would tell people that her eating disorder began when Charles placed his hand on her waist and said, A bit chubby here, ain't we? Real dick move. Also, again, not his accent, but, you know, f*** that guy. Yep. Yep. That's my input. Oh, a bit chubby, aren't we? Like, who does that? That's a bit uh, royal. Yeah, person who's apparently. had a Someone who's not their well adjusted. ass their whole life. Yeah. Mm. Eventually, the couple would be Long wed. The king. <laughs> yeah. This is our king, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Grabbing women around the waist and going, oh, you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we're not done with gross Charles. All right, sure. Mm. Eventually, the couple would be wed in a lavish ceremony at St. Paul's Cathedral on the 29th of July, 1981. Yeah, that's a, like- Five months after they got engaged. Sure. Okay. Yep. Diana would be the first to marry the first in line to the throne in 300 years. As previously, the first in line would either be married before they came, before they became first in line or would marry once they were the king or queen. They would have 600,000 people lining the streets to see them with some whopping 750 million watching from home. Diana would wear a dress with a whopping 25 foot train. You have to see it. It's pretty crazy. That's ridiculous. She's like walking down the aisle and this 25-foot piece of materials dragging behind her. It's just ridiculous. Imagine it being so heavy, her head's like permanently like back. Just like, <laughs> she's got ah, people like ah, dragging it at the neck. Ah. Just huge traps because she's been doing like <laughs> neck weights. She's got like training. the rocks traps. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> just been training her neck to be able to drag this train. <laughs> she's like swollen the neck and nowhere else. <laughs> I love that. It wouldn't take long for Diana to fall pregnant. <sighs> was, yeah, I know we're late. I'm sorry for being so late, but that was massive. That was a big Control one. yourself, boy. Come I was on. trying. <laughs> sorry, Cheesy. <laughs> sorry, everyone. That was Cheesy's the other one that complains about it. Everyone else <sighs> seems okay. If you're complaining about it, hit us up on social media at Cheeky Tales Pod. So Diana falls pregnant, with a pregnancy announced on the 5th of November of the same year. Prince William would be born on the 21st of June, 1982. Do you realise that was that's like 41 years ago to the day of we're recording? It's the 5th of November. 
Oh, there you go. History. 41? Yeah, 41. I did quick math. 1981, yeah. Hmm. Prince William would be born on the 21st of June, 1982. <laughs> <laughs> you have a coffee or something. Jeez, boy, come on. Oh, I should. Should I slap you? Prince William would be born on 21st of June, 1982, and would almost immediately be taken on a tour of Australia and New Zealand. Later, Diana would have Prince Harry on the 15th of September, 1984, about three years later. Two years later. <laughs> Quick maths. <laughs> Diana would give her children a better understanding of the world than most royals, choosing their school, clothing, and planning their outings herself, and driving them to school as well all of which was outside the norm for a member of the royal family. It actually seems pretty odd for a royal to actually do anything with their kids. Yeah. Like most of the time it's like, off to the nannies. Yeah, well, that's why that's how you don't end up with people who go, a little bit chubby. A little bit chubby. Yeah. Aren't we? Again, it gets worse. Okay. While publicly the couple seemed to be doing well, it was very obvious to those who knew them that things were not good. And five years into their relationship, it became clear that the two were heading down the path to divorce. Mm, big no-no for royals. Mm. While we can be sure that the 13-year difference in their age would be causing issues, it was actually the fact that neither of them could keep it in their pants that caused the biggest issue. Mm. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Charles had a long-standing on-again, off-again relationship with Camilla Parker Bowles. What? Yes. I am shocked. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Camilla Parker Bowles is currently the Queen Consort because she is married. <laughs> I got him, you dog. <laughs> this is the second time we recorded that line and John had to correct me when I said that she's the Queen and so I fixed it that time and now I look like the boss. You dog. Dog. I even faked being surprised again. Again. I, I, I set you up for that. <laughs> Camilla and Charles had dated in the early 70s, but the royals discouraged him from marrying her due to their- <laughs> Oh, fixed another stuff up due to her lack of family title, love of no, another man. I love the word marriaging. Marriaging. So you need to put that back in. Say that sentence again oh, and say marriaging. But the royals discouraged him from marriaging her due to her <laughs> lack of family title, love of another man, and a less than sterling reputation. Apparently she was a bit of a, um, how do I put this in the light? Nicely. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you paused. Leave the pause in so when the kids are listening to this, I can hit the mute button. <laughs> I might believe that. Okay. And um, she didn't quite meet what they the picture of who they wanted yeah. him to be with, right? Like so she as, was a bit as, of a- Aesthetically. It, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, I mean, it, it, probably, mm. um, but it kind of sounds more like she was just a bit of a like party girl, like- Loosey-goosey. You know, getting around town, getting to know people, you know, um, not the like- Being the Buckingham bike. I mean, like, probably not even, right? Okay. Like, she probably just dated yeah, a probably few just people. a normal, yeah. Probably just a normal person. Yeah. And they're like- I say, I say, you see the way she grabbed that oyster fork? Something stupid like that. She didn't raise her pinky when she had her tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the British are Oh, rum. God, this is going to be a good episode. British are sticklers like that. Yep. <laughs> uh, so while Charles had put the relationship with Camilla on hold when he met Diana. <laughs> yeah, on hold. Yeah. Not, not, on hold. Yeah, on hold. Didn't get rid of it. Just Camilla was still in the picture. Mm. 
uh, what am I saying? Charles had bought a personalized <laughs> bracelet for Camilla that Diana found before the wedding. And during their honeymoon, Charles would wear cufflinks given to him by Camilla. Oh, that's ick. That's, that's yep. weird. In 1986, what Charles doing, had- what is he doing? What are you, what are you doing, What bro? are you what, doing? What are you doing? In 1986, Charles had fully restarted his relationship with Camilla, entering an affair with her that would eventually become a formal relationship after the divorce to Diana. Mm. In the more icky of things that we've heard in this podcast, Charles had some tapes of phone calls to Camilla leaked from during his time married to Diana, in which he says, and I quote, he wished he lived in her knickers. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I wish I lived in your knickers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's back to Austin Powers. I want to live in your knickers. Oh. <laughs> that is our king saying that he wished he lived oh. in a girl's knickers. Yep. It's just, I mean, if <laughs> it's because they're so posh. Yeah. But they're trying to say something disgusting and it just comes out. It's ick. actually way better if you say it in the posh accent. Oh, I do say I wish I lived in your knickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if, if like a regular person was to say that, oh. it wouldn't sound as bad because it's just- Oh, you, I disagree. No, you're being, I disagree, you're, boy. You're being filthy, but because they're trying to put a posh spin on it, it makes it sound so icky. John- if I heard a tape of you saying, I wish I lived in your knickers to someone, no, no, I'd you, be upset. I, I wouldn't say it that way, though, because I'm not trying to put okay. a posh spin on it. It's just so gross. It is. I, I said, yes, it is gross, but yeah. because of the, the the upper class, like this, you know, the spin yeah. on it, it just makes it ick. Yeah. It's, it's proper gross, but yeah. <laughs> Diana wasn't exactly a saint in this area either, having a few reported affairs at the same time, notably with a Major James Hewitt, who had been the family's riding instructor in the past. I'll bet you he was. Oh. I'll bet you he was the riding instructor. I'll teach you how to ride, baby, oh, I yeah. Bet. <laughs> I bet he taught her how to ride for <laughs> oh. sure. Oh, oh, kids are not listening to we this episode. talking about horses, okay. obviously. Yep. Hmm. I'll bet you he was a stallion. <laughs> I had to give, I had to have a break there. <laughs> Diana had also been linked to a number of other men during this time, and even had tapes of her speaking with a James Gilby released to the public around the same Charles around the same time as Charles Nickers tape. <laughs> the Nickers, the tape. Nickers tape, Nickergate. Uh. Through the next few years, the public would become very aware of the issues between the couple, as it had become clear that they were very uncomfortable being around each other. In 1989, Diana would even confront Camilla at a party for Camilla's sister, though it's said that Camilla stood her ground, telling Diana, you've got everything you ever wanted. All the men in the world fall in love with you, and you've got two beautiful children. What more do you want? What? Okay, so I googled. Oh, here we go. Charles Nickers tape to yep. try and get the audio. The first result back is, what was the tampon gate scandal? <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> and here's why the crowd is covering it. Wow. Okay. I think we need to watch the crown. I think we need to watch the yeah. Oh, cheeky tales watch along. The the truth behind Prince Charles and Camilla's infamous X-rated tampon. That's that's the title. This is from six What? This is only sixteen hours ago, this article as well. Wow. Maybe we are topical. It was one of the most embarrassing scandals the British royal family has ever had to endure. Camilla Gate, also known as Tampon Gate. 
and 33 years on, the controversy will be revisited on Netflix, The Crown's fifth season. So we are, we are quite topical. We are always hitting the topical stuff, I guess. Oh. Hang on, where, where is it? I'm trying to find. I want to live in your knickers. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the recordings. Why were, why were the recordings, which were actually made four years before the leak, also referred to as Tampon Gate? Well, that's because Charles told Camilla he wanted to be her tampon. Oh! <laughs> that's that's a worse way of what you just said. Why? This is what he actually said. Do you want to do a radio play like we did for um, the disappearance of Frederick? Sure. I've got a transcript. Yeah. I'll read the transcript. Okay. Charles. Oh, I don't want to do that accent. Oh, God. I'll just live inside your trousers or something. It would be much easier. Oh. Camilla, what are you going to turn into? A pair of knickers. Oh, you're going to come back as a pair of knickers, Charles. Or, God forbid, a tampax. Just my luck. I, <laughs> like, it's it's not just that it's Prince Charles. It's that it's so gross. <sighs> oh. Yeah, so that's the kind of gross stuff that was going on uh, in their relationship at this time. Um, but Diana, it, Diana has confronted Camilla at this party for sure, Camilla's yep. sister. Sorry, that's where we were, yep. Yeah. And uh, Camilla stood her ground, said to Diana, you've got everything you ever wanted. All the men in the world fall in love with you and you've got two beautiful children. What more do you want? And Diana would reply- For you to back off, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Diana would reply, I want my husband. So, I think yeah. I remember that actually. I don't remember, yeah. remember it, but- John it was there. No. <laughs> yep. As a, what year was this? Uh, that was 1989. Yeah. As yeah. a three-year-old. Yep. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Let me sort out all your problems, Royals. <laughs> Who's that guy that wants to be in knickers? <laughs> <laughs> Come down here. That's oh, Buller. I'm just like a little husband. Come down here. Slap. Get. What are you thinking? <laughs> I, uh, bringing up Hasbulla. Okay. Not a fan. Violent little fella, isn't he? Yeah. It's just not cool. It's a very bad role model. Mm. In 1992, it would be announced to the public by the Prime Minister that the couple had had an amicable separation. Mm. Over the next few years, the couple would live separately and the royal family would attempt to mend the issues between them, but this was all in vain. In the end, the tipping point would come when Diana did an interview with the BBC in 1995. She would drop bombshell after bombshell, saying things like, well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Another quote, I I actually think I do remember that quote. Yep, you would have seen that a bunch. Yep. Um, She would also state that she didn't think Charles was fit to be king which I'm sure was a big slap in the face for the man who wanted to live in knickers. <laughs> I was going to go, I was going to give a big oof, but no, you broke me. Yeah. She would talk about her mental health and eating disorders, laying the blame for all of it on Charles and the pressure from the royal family. Later, it would be revealed that the interviewer, Martin Bashir, had tricked Diana into giving the interview, forging documents and using a graphic artist to make fake accounts and checks to make it seem as though the Spencers had put cons- uh, put constant surveillance on Diana. Mm. A 2021 inquiry, so just last year, into the actions of the BBC found that they had failed to appropriately investigate and punish Bashir for his actions, leading to the BBC issuing an apology for their actions. Considering That's pretty dog. Yeah, like, yeah. considering what happened to Diana, that really yeah. doesn't seem no. enough, you know. Um, and after that interview, the Queen would request the couple divorce formally which would eventually be completed on the 28th of August, 1996. So, yeah, this guy, um, like, he got forgerers to forge mm-hmm. documents to say things that Diana didn't know, showed them to her brother, 
And then her brother was like, yeah, no, they've got this stuff. Like, you should probably go speak and, and get your And get out. her story out. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's real dog. Yeah. And at the time, the BBC knew and they were just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know. Trying to get the story. Yeah. They wanted, they wanted the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So Diana was free of the royal family, but not of the public. She would face high scrutiny from the media over just about every aspect of her life. During her time as a royal, and to be fair, afterwards as well, Diana was known as the People's Princess. She gained a lot of popularity through her charitable work, showing high interest in causes like the removal of landmines from old battlefields, cancer treatment and research, and most notably for the awareness and understanding of HIV AIDS. She was one of the first and most notable people to publicly touch people with HIV AIDS and did lots to improve the cause for those affected. While this would endear her to the public, it also meant that her life would be under the microscope of the media, and in particular, the paparazzi, which would understandably contribute to the pressure placed on her throughout her years, later years. Now, I never knew that word until the whole Diana thing. Paparazzi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like her incident, her event, really like, Pop culturized the word paparazzi. Yeah. Well, it made people aware of the danger. Yeah. You know? I suppose. Yeah. Um, one thing that I didn't touch on in here was that the Queen actually said that the HIV AIDS stuff, she said, Oh, I wish Diana would get into something a little bit more wholesome. Like she was saying, I wish she wouldn't deal with that gross HIV AIDS stuff. Mm. Um, and like this was a real source of um, strain within the royal family with Diana was that they were like, What are you doing these causes for? They're gross. And she's like, no, they're not. What are you talking about? It's well, just people with AIDS. These are people. These are sick people. Yeah, yeah, these are sick people. Um, yeah, and that's like one of the things that was contributing to sort of what was going on in that family at the time. And it's one of the things. Like, it was actually quite unusual for Diana to be so compassionate um, as a royal. You know, it was this modern way of being a royal, which mm. was so different to what they were all doing um, otherwise. But all of the media scrutiny and pressure on Diana would come to a head in 1997 when Diana was dating a man named Dodie Fayed. They had been holidaying on Fayed's yacht on the French and Italian Riviera and were on their way home to London. They were staying in the Hotel Ritz in Paris and would have had a high level of security in tow to distract the waiting paparazzi. At 20 minutes the, past- The paparazzi. The paparazzi. So they've got people that go with them, the salterazzi. The pepperoni pizza arazzi. <laughs> <clears throat> so they were, they were planning to leave- What's with the hand actions? Mamma mia. Are you being- a bit oh, that's a boy. spicy meatball. Mario. <laughs> so they were staying at the Hotel Ritz. They wanted to go to an apartment they had elsewhere <clears throat> yep. to get sort of a little bit more privacy. At 20 minutes past midnight on the 30th of August, a decoy vehicle was sent from the main entrance to draw the attention of the paparazzi while Diana and Dodie were driven by Henry Paul from the rear entrance. Who was distracting the paparazzi and the saltarazzi? That uh, was just another car with other people in it. It was like, you, go that way, drive away. And then, yeah, I'm not giving you the satisfaction. Sure. okay. And then they were in the, they were leaving from the rear entrance, heading mm-hmm. to their apartment. Didn't work as well as planned though. And photographers were chasing them in following cars and on bicycles, motorbikes. According to witnesses, photographers on motorcycles swarmed the car as it entered the Place de la, de la Arma, de la Arma, de, de la Arma? De. De, de Underpass? Oh, sorry. Place de la Alma. 
underpass. That's probably closer to how it's said. The car was doing 105 kilometers an hour, more than twice the 50 kilometer an hour speed limit. That's about 75 mile an hour mm-hmm. it was going. At 23 minutes past midnight, Henry Paul lost control of the car, striking a passing white Fiat before colliding head-on with a concrete pillar, spinning and hitting the wall of the tunnel with the rear of the car. Nobody inside the car was wearing a seatbelt. Not good. Mm. Photographers would be the first on the scene. And I, I suppose instead of helping, they're just taking photos. Some would take photos while others genuinely tried to help. Okay, fair enough. So half of them were like, oh, let's get into this thing and try and help them. The others are like... Henry Paul and Dodie Fayed would die at the scene, with Diana taken to hospital and operated on for two hours. It would all be in vain, though, and Diana would pass away in the early hours of the morning. As I said earlier, 2.5 billion people would tune in to watch Diana's funeral. The world would mourn the loss of the princess. It would be a monumental moment in British history, with people to this day talking of the events that happened during the funeral. So it was 98? 97. 97. You were five? I would have been four and a four. few months when this happened. I was 11. Mm. I is, have very vague memory of it. I have a vague memory of being in the backseat of mum and dad's car. Mm. Um, just coming down road near your head, like coming down North Station Road. Yep. Before that turn. Mm-hmm. And then coming onto the radio. Mm. So that was in the morning time in London. So that would have been afternoon. Here. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I have a vague memory of being in the backseat of the car when it came over the radio. And like mum and dad being like, what? Mm. Me not fully understanding, but knowing. This is one of those moments that like yeah, people, people go, do you remember where you were? Yeah. You know, it's like this, 9-11, maybe the Bali bombings. Um, there's like a few. If you go back a little bit further, Challenger, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple of, like there's only a few events in time where everyone's like, where were you? Yeah, it could be a false memory, but I've, mm. I have a, a memory of being in the, Backseat of Mum and Dad's I have car. vague memory of watching bits of it on news coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, there were some heart-wrenching scenes, including close-ups of the stoic members of the royal family, many of whom were criticised for what people perceived as a lack of compassion. Following the funeral, the conspiracy theories started to flow, as the public started to develop their own theories, and the media did what they could to stoke the flames of conspiracy. The Metropolitan Police would launch Operation Paget to investigate the theories, with 175 being investigated in total. 175 theories. 175 individual <sighs> theories. Was aliens one of the theories? I can't say for sure <sighs> that it wasn't. Has to, 175 has to be. Surely someone was like, aliens killed her. Yep. We're going to cover four. The four most like popular. I okay, guess sure, so. sure. Number one. Henri Paul was paid to kill her. Oh, please, no. Some believe that he was paid by French or British security forces to kill her, as he had roughly $250,000 in his bank account, despite earning just $35,000 a year. He also had a lot of cash on him. The dude is very good at saving... Sorry? Turns out he was super drunk, three times the legal limit, and also had prescription drugs in his system, including antidepressants and antipsychotics. Yeah, maybe it was that which would have contributed to his inebriation. People argue that Paul's body might have been swapped with a drunk person's body as part of the cover-up, and that nobody had seen Paul acting drunk before he got into the car. This is the officially accepted theory, though, and the one that Operation Paget concluded was the correct theory. To be honest, it seems like a pretty massive stretch to suggest that he intentionally drove like that, killing himself in the attempt to kill the princess. Mm. 
and then to have like a body swap as well. So why? Why? What's the point if you're just gonna? If that's the way you're gonna do it, yeah. What's the point of getting paid? Yeah, just do it. Yeah. Um, it is a bit weird the money situation, but like he rolls in the circle of people like that, mm. so he's probably getting money from someone else. Um, and like the the oh nobody saw him drunk. Well, you know who's really bad at telling who's drunk? Drunk people. You know, so it's kind of like that. This is pretty open and shut. Yeah, like who who's to say the money isn't from the media outlets that he tipped him off? Like, hey, they're leaving at this time. Yeah, and he's getting money from that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's the one that's supposed to drive the car. He would know when it's going. Mm -hmm. The second theory is that the British royal family and government had ordered the killing of Diana. This theory relies on the idea that Diana was pregnant with Dodie's child, which would have been an embarrassment to the royal family for some reason. This was due to the idea that the royal family was not accepting that Dodie, an Egyptian Muslim, would be the stepfather of the future king of England. In the weeks before her death, there had been speculation in the media that Diana was pregnant, with she herself even saying she had a big surprise. Dispelling this theory, though, is that her postmortem showed that she was not pregnant, and that she had been using contraception, and that she had never mentioned to... This is not part of the postmortem, but she had never <laughs> mentioned to anyone that she was pregnant. Mm. So again, not likely. So James Bond's come along from MI6 and whacked her. Yes, that is that theory. The theory. Nah, we're not buying it. No. It's pretty dumb. Like, honestly, I should have started with- I should have ended with number one because mm. it's the obvious one. But um, third theory is that her emergency care was intentionally sabotaged or at least intentionally completed poorly. Well, that's dark. Yeah, right. Diana was treated heavily at the scene before being taken to hospital. And some argue that if she was taken to hospital immediately, she could have survived. This theory seems to be encouraged by those in the UK- where UK paramedics prioritise taking a patient to hospital as quickly as possible, where in France, the paramedics are trained to give treatment at the scene to stabilise the patient before transporting to hospital. This theory would also mean that a number of doctors and paramedics would need to break their oaths and then lie about it for years, something I can't imagine anybody in healthcare doing. Mm. Ultimately, most doctors agree that no matter the treatment, it would have been practically impossible for Diana to survive her injuries, with a badly placed tear in her lung being the cause of death. It's such a rare injury that many doctors have actually never seen it in their career. Yeah, well, mm. I was I was just about to ask what was the the extent of her injuries. Yeah, uh, she was messed up. Yeah, um, yeah, they reckon it's it's not likely she would have survived. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, wear your seatbelts, please. <laughs> like, I know that you have to here; it's a rule, but like, do it, do it, yeah. don't stuff around with it. The last theory is that Diana predicted her own death. Ten months prior to the crash, Diana but did, gave- But did the Simpsons predict? No, they didn't. <laughs> Diana gave a letter to a butler for safekeeping ten months prior to her death. The letter, again, written ten months before her death, states, This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. Redacted is planning an accident in my car. Brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for Charles to marry. We do not know who redacted is. Mm. On April 9th of 2005, Prince Charles would marry Camilla, who, as we now know, is the Queen Consort of England. Considering the circumstances of the strain between Diana and the royal family as a whole, you can see the legs in this theory. Diana's fears seem to have been stoked by the fact that she believed her former bodyguard and lover, Barry Manneke, was assassinated in a car crash. Diana had given an interview where she stated, 
He was the greatest love I've ever had. It was all found out and he was chucked out. Then he was killed. I think he was bumped off. Rare. Yeah. Again, Diana, just chucking stones at the royal family, eh? Could have been a bit, if it was just an accident, could be a bit paranoia. Yeah. Which is understandable. Now, this one kind of feeds off like the other theories of mm. like, oh, the royal family did it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, again, the driver was doing twice the speed limit, driving while under yeah. the influence and being chased by paparazzi into a tunnel. I, exactly- the royal family's done some ick things. I don't think they've done that kind of ick. No. That seems a bit drastic. Seems a bit far, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. In the end, Operation Pageant did investigate 175 theories and none were found to have any basis in reality, except for the one where, you know, the driver was super drunk. Mm. She had lived her life in a way that managed to piss off the royal family and had made herself into one of the greatest role models of the 20th century. Despite Diana's death, her legacy lives on, not just in the UK, but around the world. Who knows what she would have been able to accomplish had her life not been cut short in that French tunnel. Mm. She does have some pretty good kids. Yep. And there are still charitable organisations that are in her name. In her name. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, obviously, William and Harry have continued a lot of that work. Yeah. Uh, well, Harry's had his own dramas, but who knows? I'm assuming he's still doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, you kind of see what happened to Diana kind of happening again to Megan. Um, yeah. Like being on the outer type of thing. Yeah, being someone different, not yeah. coming from the yeah. you know British nobility, um, and, and I, I, think, I think that was recognised. And well, like, that's why Harry and Meghan left. Yeah, right? they kind but, of backed off from it. Yeah, but like the British media are still doing the same stuff twenty, mm-hmm. thirty years later. You know, like attacking someone. You know, um, just not smart, not smart behaviour. Um, on the other foot, Kate's really walked into Anna's uh, footprints. Really, like continuing that. Well, not so much in the the throwing stones, but in like yeah, the charitable, yeah. being the people's princess. She's kind of yeah. almost really taken up that mantle and continued to do. Yeah. Um, I don't really Listen care. Listen to us royals. I don't really care about the royals. <laughs> you know, yeah. You've done um, a whole episode on them though. Yeah, because it's interesting. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But um, yeah, I, whatever. Who cares? Republic, monarch, who cares? Doesn't matter to me. Won't change anything. Not really. Mm. Anyway, uh, that's it. That's Diana. Go watch season five of The Crown. Yep. Um, Not a sponsorship. You'll get, uh, hit us up Netflix. Go watch uh, Austin Powers, all three of them. (laughs) Yep, fair enough. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to live in, no, that's, I don't know what that was. I want to live in your knickers, baby. Yeah. That's that's what I was getting at. Do I make you horny? I want to live in your knickers, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Groovy. (laughs) That's, that's demonetized. Um, Yeah, anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, uh, especially Brie. Thanks again for suggesting it. Um, if you would like to have your say on what your favourite gross Charles comment was, hit us up on at Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we post some supplemental content there as well, like images. Um, this time, we'll probably have a close-up of gross Charles. Um, yeah, so get on there. Um, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Um, and share the podcast to your friends. It would be lovely to get it out there. We um, yep. <clears throat> we have had a fair few listens lately, um, you know, and it would be nice to continue that and get it get it going. Get it out there. Spread it. Get on there and uh, let us know on the socials how much Aaron's yawns annoy you. Yeah, or if you appreciate them, you know, maybe I'm in touch with the common man. Common man yawn. 
<laughs> not royals. <laughs> not, not not royals. Not icky royals. You ever seen George Royal? That wasn't a sentence that I meant to say. <laughs> I need to get to bed. I meant to say, have you ever seen Charles Yawn? <laughs> I said George Royal. <laughs> it's been a long day. All right. We'll be back. Uh, yeah, let's wrap this up. Back in a fortnight time with my episode. And I'm going to drop a little teaser. It's going to be an Olympic episode. Oh, is it? Yep. Topical. Yep. Mm. Olympic episode. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Not right now, but you know. Right. In 1936. <laughs> no. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Have a wonderful fortnight. We will see you again. Good night, boy. Good night. Little bit. Little bit. A man sits Go. in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Police the police come to arrest him. He's not pleased. What are the charges? Eating a meal? <laughs> a eating a succulent Chinese, Chinese meal? <laughs> He's charged with eating a succulent Chinese meal. Uh, the police officers know their judo well. <laughs> they want to take his flaccid penis. <laughs> this is so uh, bad if people don't know what we're referencing. Yeah, if you're not Australian, go have a listen and sing. Little bit. Little bit.